Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life, a special episode in which I have an informal conversation with a friend of mine, I suppose, Craig Aikinson at Cafe Royal Books. And I have to be completely honest here, Craig and I have known each other, I think, about 11 or 12 years. And I have to say, it's, uh, he's introduced me to a lots of different photographers, and I was able to introduce him to the photographer Jim Mortram as well. So a really kind of a mutual beneficial relationship, I hope. Well, I think what's really interesting is that every week we listen to, we hear from photographers talking about their work. But on this podcast, we hear less from people who are involved with photography but who aren't actually photographers themselves. Hence the start of this very kind of informal, irregular series of conversations with people engaged with photography who aren't photographers. So I hope you are aware of Cafe Royal Books and Craig, but if not, let me just give you a bit of background. So Craig's based in Southport in England, and he's a senior lecturer and researcher at the University of Central Lancashire in art, not in photography. He founded Café Raw Books in 2005, and new booklets are published frequently, typically one per week, and in short runs of 250 copies, which are sold both directly and through bookshops in the, U- in the UK, Europe, USA, Australia, Japan, Canada, and Switzerland. The booklets have a consistent print quality paper and layout laid out to a grid system of usually 36 pages in length, slightly under A5 size and predominantly black and white, and perhaps most importantly, affordable. The booklets predominantly document social, historical and cultural change, including themes of youth, leisure, music, protest, race, religion, industry, identity, architecture and fashion, using both previously unpublished work and photographs from archives. It's published work by over 100 photographers, including John Benton Harris, John Bulmer, John Claridge, John Deacon, Ken Grant, David Hearn, Chris Killop, Daniel Meadows, Tish Murtha, Jim Mortram, as I said, uh, Martin Parr, Simon Roberts, Homer Sykes, Ed Templeton, Arthur Tress, Janine Vidal, and even myself. In 2022, Café Royal Books held a retrospective exhibition titled Café Royal Books, Documentary Zines and Subversion of 500 publications and 127 prints of work from those books at the Martin Parr Foundation. So that's a little bit of background on Craig and Café Royal Books. Let's have a listen, shall we, to the conversation we had. Hello, Craig. Um, welcome to uh, A Photographic Life. Welcome back. Uh, last on in episode 12, a long time ago. So you and I have known each other, I checked, um, roughly 10 years because I first came across you and Cafe Raw Books back in 2013 when you were still hand numbering the books. That's right. Yeah, it was. Where was it? The Bristol Book Fair, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it might have. It might have been. I don't know, but um, and I can remember recommending uh, Jim Mortram. To That's you right. As well. Yeah, early and days. That, yeah. So ten years, quite a long time, a decade. 
And Cafe Royal Books has really progressed. Yeah, it's, it has. It's changed and sort of become busier and more of a thing, I suppose. Um, 2012 was when I started to make a book each week. So it's kind of, that's when it started to get busy, I suppose, and it's kind of developed since then. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, things, have, things have come on. But was there a plan? No, <laughs> bits maybe. There was kind. Of, I mean, there's there's like bits of plans along the way, which are, were, were sort of um, kind of key points, I suppose. Um, I was going to say decisive moments, but I thought, no. avoid that. that. That's right. Um, no, they, I mean, from from the start, the plan was to make things to make art accessible to a wider audience. And and perhaps not to rely on the gallery. So that was the that was like where, that was in two thousand five. Um, two thousand and twelve was when I decided that um, I could manage to make a book a week. And it was when I decided that most of the books that I publish would be photographic and of a of a type of photograph, I suppose. Um, so it, it was sort of a big time in terms of change, but it wasn't really a plan. It was like it. it it was more of a um that's what i'm going to do now so you know it's not not forward thinking in any way really I, I you i think and you may not like this but i think you're a hugely important person in british photography today um and yet of course you don't own a camera you lecture art and not photography what's that yeah. all about <laughs> um well photography is a, uh, I mean, I, my my background is fine art. That's what I studied. Um, it's what I do to an extent still. And then from that, I went through sort of artist multiples and editions and into publishing. So that's that's where it's come from. Photography for me is this is going back ten years, isn't it, to the last one? But it, yeah. it, uh, I sort of use photography in a, in a way, whether whether I'm taking it. Whether, whether I'm making photographs or whether I'm I'm publishing them or, or exhibiting them or, or what it might be, I kind of I don't see myself as someone who is involved in photography that much in a weird. I mean, it's very nice what you've just said, but it's it, I, I sort of see what I do as a, as um, a collector in a way. I suppose curator, if you want. I don't really. It's not a term that I use, but a collector, sort of gatherer, hoarder of. It's an organiser, maybe in in some respects. Um, maybe a historian as well. Maybe a historian, yeah. Although, yeah, maybe I, I probably don't have a deep enough knowledge to be called a historian. I don't know. I, I've always liked working sort of between genres or, or making stuff that's not definable in a in a straightforward way so yeah photography photography I, I don't know it's that's just one one sort of thing i suppose and it's i suppose an example is when i do book fairs um some will be photo book fairs some will be artist book fairs some will be zine fairs and so on the things that i make kind of um this sounds all very boasty it's not i'm just i'm the things that i make kind of work across those but they don't fit into any of them if that makes sense but it's like being the observer on the outside looking in, isn't it? Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. 
I just sort of make these things and it's kind of, you know, I, I enjoy doing it. So I carry on. Um, but I haven't, I've not owned, owned a camera for a long time because I've, people hate this, I suppose. But I've, for me, a phone camera's fine. It does enough. Um, I'm terrible with decisions. So when I have had a camera in the past, an interchangeable lens camera, it, it, it just causes more problems because I, I can never decide which, you know, I might might use a 50mm, might use a 35 might use a one whatever. And I can never decide which I like best or which is more suitable. So to take all those decisions away and just have something in your pocket that takes a picture, it's not, you know, the quality is never going to be like a kind of medium format or anything, but it it, uh, it does the job and, it, and it's okay. And for what I need, that's fine. I, I tend to just take pictures of the family now. It's... Um, don't, I don't have a, a huge amount of time for, for other things. Apart from the dog? Apart from the, well, that's family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting, you said that about not making decisions. I mean, there's a couple of things I think that there's real kind of synchronicity between what I've done over the last 10 years with the podcast and what you've done with the book, because both of us have been trying to put something out every week. And yeah. I don't think people realise just how committed do you have to be to do that yeah i mean it, it it's a it's a sort of huge decision to to decide to do that and I, I think once you've made that decision and you know that you maybe have to cut other things out to make that happen then it, you you sort of fit things in it's like when you my wife and i always sort of think back to before we had kids and we, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't change anything for the world that that has happened since then but before you have kids, you think, oh, I'm so busy. And it, it's kind of, and then you have your first maybe, and you think, yeah, maybe I wasn't that busy. And then you have the second, you think, geez, it's kind of, so, and it kind of, you know, I'm sure not everybody finds that, but we certainly did. Um, but you, you sort of fit things in. You just, you just do it really, don't you? And it, it's, um, as long as you're enjoying it, I think, I think that's kind of all right. I mean, I, I sort of decided way back, when I when I thought about doing one of these a week, that probably I don't need to watch as much telly as I do. Probably some of the things that I read aren't that good anyway, so I won't do that. And you know, you can sort of think you, you can identify things that you don't need to do that you probably do. Um, going out every week when I was that age, so like once every six months, if that now. But I don't. That's fine, and it. So all all that time you you gather and you can do the thing every week that you want to do and it it kind of works. But also you get confident, don't you, in the ways of working? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it becomes a a kind of fun routine. Um, and it, I I guess your podcasts are similar in a way. I mean, the books are the same format each week, although the contents differ weekly um, and the layout and so on. But the you know, the parameters are there, the format, the edition size, the design. Um, so it's, I mean, if someone could take away all decisions from my life, I would find things, some people would find it really dull, but I, I'd find it really kind of freeing in a way because I, I have that sort of decision fatigue people call it. I, I find it sort of difficult. And it's, sometimes it can be perceived, I mean, you, you know, you've developed a profile now with Cafe Raw Books. And yeah. that can sometimes be seen by, you know, as ego, but it, it couldn't be further from the truth, could it? Well, 
Yeah, I hope so. Um, Cafe Royal's sort of known, I suppose, now, and it's known for doing a thing, um, which is fine. Um, and it, in some ways, that could be quite tying. Um, but it, you know, I've tied myself to doing that thing anyway, so it's that doesn't matter. It, it's quite, you know, it's it's good. I suppose people people know about it, people have heard about it, and the more books that are released, the the more people are aware of it. But more importantly. The more people see the photographs that are being published and become aware of them, um, that perhaps they weren't aware of, or the, or the photographer of, and that's kind of that's the aim really to get this stuff seen. I get excited with you know bringing photographers on to the podcast when, particularly when it's someone who I think, well, this this person's really interesting, but you know not very well known. Well, what gets you excited now? Finding you know this. That many books and that many photographers, you know, what gets you really excited with a with a project or or a, one of the books coming out? Yeah, I mean that that thing about unseen or unheard is that that's important. I think that kind of, to me anyway. It, I, I like kind of coming across work that maybe no one's ever seen, apart from the photographer. Or, I mean that's that's one thing. That's sort of me. That that boosts me, I suppose. Um, but then you know, work that is by a photographer that everybody knows that hasn't been seen for a long time as well. It, it, it kind of works both ways. And then when things like, um, we were talking earlier, an article in The Guardian last week, that then opens that up to so many thousands more people. And then people start to chat online about the pictures. Oh, that's my mum in that picture. And we've never seen you know, Somebody said the other week that they... I can't remember which book it was now, but there was a picture of a man and a woman and they were partners early early on in their kind of partnership, I suppose, and they got married, had kids. One of them died. Um, the family didn't have many pictures of this couple and since they died, they kind of, you know, it, there was a feeling of we should have had more pictures and they'd never seen this one. So I put them in touch with the photographer and they've ended up with a print of it. So... Things like that are really nice and things where communities come out. There's, I've done a few books on Hull, some on Glasgow recently. And the, the communities and some places where the, there's like a really small, but they're a very tight community. Um, and they'll come out on Facebook and start chatting through these images. And there'll be people who haven't spoken in decades and they, they suddenly hear, do you remember that time we did this? Or do you remember when that happened? And all these sort of funny anecdotes or sad anecdotes or whatever they are. But that's a really nice thing. I, I kind of really enjoy that when, Or I suppose when the photographs via the books create this sort of chat between people who, who haven't been chatting for, for many years for whatever reason. But it's like that dem democratisation of, of photography. You know, we were talking about art. Um, before we started recording in the green room yeah. before. And, uh, you know, the, the difficulties in teaching art and that kind of bringing visual language to people, which isn't, you know, perhaps, well, I'm not, no, perhaps it isn't appreciated as much as, as it should be. Mm. You know, I, I always think it's, it's kind of strange that we've got a situation of a government who are not, funding the arts and yeah. yet the moment we go through covid the the one television program that seems to have brought most people together is grace and perry's art club yeah. yeah which i kept sort of saying to my wife and daughter this is what art school used to be like mm. you know 
you're encouraged to fail. So in a sense, you're not publishing for the photographic community, are you? Not not um, solely, no. I mean, I, I'm aware that they're kind of interested in the books and that's great. And I'm aware that I'm sort of, I suppose, by default part of that because I'm kind of collecting this stuff together. But um and that's fine. And there's photo book collectors and artists book collectors and so on. But yeah, I mean I, I like when people buy the books either for nostalgia or for personal interest or film directors buy the books and then they'll get in touch and say, you know, there's a picture that directly influenced this scene of this film or costume designers get in touch for the same reasons. They there's there's quite a lot of costume and fashion people who buy the books as sort of reference libraries, I suppose, because they could, you know, what did punk in the seventies look like or or what did the mod revival look like? Or in and they'll so they'll get a few books and they'll, they'll flick through and it might be a start point or or whatever. But yeah, that that kind of means a lot as well. Um so yeah, there's a, a wide variety really, I think, in the in the audience. What do you think about the the amount of photo books that are coming out at the moment. Are you getting to see them? Are you aware of them? Probably, probably not as much as maybe I should should be. I don't know whether I should be or not. But no, probably not because I don't buy books, um, which is a weird thing. But it, there's a reason. And the, hey, hang on, Craig, Craig, Craig. You're a publisher that doesn't buy books on photography. But, and don't own a camera. Yeah, I mean the. The house, the, the 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 office is so full of books that I've, I, you know, don't, don't need any. And I get sent quite a lot of books, which is brilliant as well. Um, but the no, the reason is in in two thousand and ten, um, I I always collected loads of books. You know, never parted with them. And from when I was um, a baby, you know, presents when you're a baby, and you kept well, I had all of them, all through education, everything. We had a flood the year. 2010, when when the massive snow and then a very fast thaw <clears throat> between Christmas and New Year, a pipe burst. And the, the only reason I realised the pipe burst, it was in an outbuilding. The windows were steamed up and I thought we'd been broken into. So I just I, I went in, opened the door and water just gushed out. And uh, the books were all on IKEA bookcases and they had swollen so much that they'd pop the sides off the bookcase. So it was like a self-supporting thing of just solid, very kind of um, niche paper mache. So that was like a tragedy um, and got rid of, I managed to save a few things, but not, not many. It was, that was like a freeing thing in a way as well, because once you start collecting something, you kind of, become a collector and you just keep on going and and the chase of getting something can be more satisfying in a way than actually getting it so it stopped me doing that which was good but obviously bad as well um so that's why i don't buy books that's a really long-winded answer to the, <laughs> to the question. it's a really good one because i had exactly the same situation where i on three separate occasions my book collections got up to over four thousand. wow and and i've had to sell it yeah because it's, it gets too big and then finally i realized that we were buying houses and looking for a room for the books. Yeah. And I just thought this is ridiculous. And I had a, a big auction and they all went into auction wow. um, and went. And, and now 
I, I feel you, the same as you. It's kind of freeing. But I've also heard of photographers who've lost all their archives. Of course, famously, um, Horst P. Horse yeah. lost his entire archive, um, which was in a basement. I cannot, can't remember if it was a fire or a flood, but his entire life's work disappeared. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to be able to take that on the chin, haven't you? Yeah. Obviously, it's upsetting. And, and I think with a, with an entire life's work, that that's quite different, I guess, than things that you've bought and collected over time. I've always, I, I sort of have trouble with, you know, ob- owning objects and things. I don't, don't particularly like it. But, yeah, life's work, I mean, that's kind of really terrible. That's torture, isn't it? Because, you, yeah. you know, all, all that stuff that you've spent time making and maybe passed down to the family and that's that's you that's 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 you that, that's you it sort of embodies you doesn't it it does but it's also that physical archive isn't it it's the reality obviously now you might say oh you know i've got it on a cloud storage i've got it stored in other places of the digital file but yeah. you know that's what you're dealing with you're dealing with these photographers archives and life's work and yeah. i know you know very often they're not very well kept no i mean there was i think it was charlie phillips who, who lost a lot of work and there was a there was a series of hendrix pictures that were gone and they, you know there must be so much important work that is uh, that's somewhere but or or has been destroyed somewhere and lost or has been destroyed are you getting a lot a lot of people contacting you with i've got an archive or i've got work that's great i mean what what's the kind of breakdown of stuff you you get contacted with that's good and stuff that's maybe you know not as well considered to publish. I get sort of between three and five a day at the moment. It's more again, I think, because of the Guardian article. But of that, there's probably two or three a day, which is work that I I wouldn't publish. Not because I I don't value it or like it or, or whatever. It's just that Cafe Royal wouldn't publish it. It's not. It's not the kind of thing that I like you're now talking about yourself in the third person <laughs> well it's yeah I mean I suppose I have to in a way yeah I suppose I try to distance myself from the I hate I hate the the idea of talking about brands but it kind of is because mm. it's, it has an identity sort of like you said before um but it there's things that I like there's work there was somebody sent some stuff yesterday he's a uh he he was a member of a band through the 90s and the pictures that he took whilst on the road they're brilliant film cameras look just just really obscure kind of through America through Europe through UK but I wouldn't publish it because it doesn't doesn't work with the kind of thing which is why I set up the world series for little bits of other work but um yeah, so of of the things that I get sent, there's a there's probably a couple of things that I wouldn't publish. A couple that I would that I have to think about. You know, have I got other books coming that are around the same subject? How many I've already had? And it's kind of you know, doing one a week is a lot, but it, it's a limit as well. It's you know, there's only so many books about the miners' strike that I could publish in a year because otherwise, it, you know, I'd, I'm not a miners' strike photography publisher. So I, there's lots of things, sort of logistics that I kind of would either prevent or or make a submission happen, I suppose. But also, I, I remember that um, there was a long waiting list. I mean, I when I talk to people to come on the podcast, um, they're always surprised when I say to them, well, yeah, you know, I'm now booked until 
uh, I don't know, six or seven months in advance, which is what I am. And yeah. it's a similar thing for you, isn't it? Are you, have you still got that situation? Yeah, yeah it's about 18 months. Um, I've, I've got a list of sort of forthcoming titles. I keep this spreadsheet, which if that ever went, I don't, that, that would be like the, the archive thing going. But um, yeah, it's about 18 months. There's some that sometimes get brought forward or come sooner if, the photographer's got an exhibition or a talk or something, then we, you know, there's a there's certain shuffling that goes on. But yeah, that's that's the the time frame normally. You give a lot of say to the photographers. You allow them to kind of put input into the covers and whatever. I know when you did my book, I wanted you to do it. I didn't want to get involved because it's always nice to have a fresh pair of eyes. Yeah. And I think that's something a lot of photographers have a real problem with, that idea of kind of letting go what, what's your kind of experience of that yeah there's a there's a whole sort of spectrum of that one one is that someone the, the most that i've been sent for one but one th- they're, they're all 36 pages thereabouts. someone sent 1400 pictures for one 36 page book and said do what you want and that which is brilliant you know it's i always, I always say what what better way it was well, there's not much of a better way to spend your day than looking at pictures. It's kind of great. Other people send 36 pictures or 36 pages and say, this is how it is. This will be the title, which is fine as well. Um, sometimes we we sort of discuss a bit and say, well, actually that maybe won't work so well on the cover or, you know, what, what does that picture say about Edinburgh in 1968? Doesn't really, but in amongst the others, it works brilliantly. So we'll put this one on the cover instead. There's lots of little things, but yeah, there's um, some photographers will say, you know, do do what you want. Like you, kind of happy to to hand it over, and that's that's brilliant. I kind of really enjoy the sort of fun of sequencing and editing. Um, some sets of work are they, they'll only really make sense in within the date that they're shot. So it kind of has to be a chronological sequence. Some might be geographical or whatever. If it's if it's of a place that I don't know, then the photographer will have to tell me the, the geography of the area or the the order of the day or whatever it might be. But if it's um, a, a sort of more disparate set of work that's maybe I don't know, for example, London in the nineteen seventies, it's that's massive. There's no order to those pictures. It's a decade of London, so you can have some fun with with placement and kind of sequence then and. And, and kind of bring things up and down a bit, a bit of bit of rhythm. But you've got a niche now. You know, you're you're the guy. You're the you're the one who's doing this. Are you surprised that no one else has kind of kind of moved onto the turf or thought it was a good idea to do? I don't know. I mean, I, I, other other people make sort of similar publications, I suppose, but each have found their own bit, which is which is great. It's a you know, it's, it's a really nice way to work. I I sort of always put more value in in these little books or zines than are doing coffee table books they, they always feel more precious to me and I, I think other people maybe do it for the same reason or do it because it's a an affordable way of publishing or whatever it might be i don't know really i don't know if i'm surprised or not i think that there are other people who who do it as well similar similar work or maybe not quite as frequent no one is as free. <laughs> I think. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, when you set up that you're going to do it once every week, you know that you really are setting. I, I mean, I find it a really um, 
I really, I find it much easier to do it once a week. I think if I wasn't going to do it once a week, I'd get distracted. So it's a nice structure to work to. Yeah, it is. And I think if you know that people are sort of almost waiting for the next one, or you you know that there's a, a an audience, I suppose, that makes you do it as well. So I think if it, if it was me just doing it for me, there'd be it's like going for a run. I tried to go for a run in the morning, and there's some mornings I just think no, I don't know. But if there was somebody waiting for me at the end of the run that I had to get something to, I'd have to go for a run. And I play squash. And I have to play squash because there's some I've got to play against someone else. Exactly right, yeah. You know, so they're waiting there um, to to beat me and and chase me <laughs> round, chase me yeah. around a white room with a rubber ball. Yeah, brilliant. Which is what it what it basically ends up as. So with Cafe Royal, you know, you, you've developed the profile, you've done everything you've done, and you're now starting to be kind of awarded kind of being given recognition for it all. But do you think that there is a point at which you're going to run out of, of the work or the archives or or feel that actually, you know, does it ever get repetitive? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. It doesn't get, it's not got repetitive yet. Um, and even when it does, there's times when people submit pictures and just this week, actually, someone has sent me some pictures which are amazing and I'm, I'm really looking forward to publishing. Virginia Turbot, her mod and punk pictures, just absolutely brilliant. And there's a couple of pictures that are of the same gig that I've published um, of Sid Shelton in his Rock Against Racism book. And, they, you know, they must have been feet apart but the the style of the photograph, the way it's been taken, probably the lens, it, there's enough difference to make it make sense within another set of work. So so there is repetition, but it's good. It kind of takes you into the detail. It takes you into the detail, and it's stuff that you know it. it it's not like it's the week after that I've published this. It's and it's such a tiny. It's like one image in amongst millions. So there is that. In terms of, is there enough work? I, I mean, I don't know. It's there's eighteen months planned. There's no shortage of submissions, and there's there's work that I'd like to publish that I'm trying to sort of chase a bit. If it finishes, it finishes. I don't, you know, I don't know. You'd have to make a decision. Well, maybe, or or speak to photographers about reprints and things. Which I mean, we reprint things now anyway. Um, sometimes. Even if the photographs stop, which I don't think, if you think about all the pictures that have been taken between 1960 and 2000, it's probably not as many pictures that have been taken so far today, but it's there's still a lot. I don't think it'll ever run out, but if it does, then maybe that'll be when people who are being born now are 18 and getting interested in social history and photography and pictures of things that predated them maybe they'll be interested in the books so it it might keep the books going even if there's no new ones and off the top of your head without looking at your spreadsheet how many have you published up until today um of these photography ones there are about 700 sort of first edition titles there's there's lots of reprints as well but there's yeah getting towards 700 and i only know that because the 
Archive 6 is almost ready, and that's 600 and way into the next one. Well, it means it makes my, my collection of 60 rather rather small in comparison. But it it does also raise the point of them as collectors' items, of people spending big money on those on those early ones. Yeah. Um some some do, yeah. And I think um I've seen some on eBay for sort of crazy prices as well, which you know people people have asked me in the past if that annoys me, but it I do I mean why get annoyed? But it, it doesn't annoy me. I, I just think, well, good luck to the seller and good luck to someone who wants to spend £100 on a zine that maybe cost a fiver. I don't know. I'm I'm not sort of in it for a collector's kind of market, really, but I'm aware that there are some. It's strange, though, isn't it, how it takes on that other life after you've kind of given birth to it? Yeah, it is. Um, but I think you have to sort of let go in a way. You can't. You, you kind of can't control that. You'd spend so much time trying that I, I don't think it would. I don't think it would benefit you, or you know, you'd, you'd lose the you'd lose the will. I think. And finally, what's you know, nearly seven hundred books. All of those photographers, and a lot of the photographers you've brought back to life. I mean, you know, there are a lot of photographers who have gained recognition through the books. Whereas perhaps their names weren't so known anymore. You know, they may have, I mean, I've discovered for photographers through what you've done. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what I think is kind of interesting is that I don't see a lot of photographers adopting those kinds of ways of working or those kinds of aesthetics within British photography. I think a lot of American photography is really looking backwards at the minute. Mm. And, and thinking, okay, what is our heritage and using that to inform the work they're making. But I'm apart from, funnily enough, Jim Mortram right. um, in particular, I don't see a lot of British photographers doing that kind of work. Why, why do you think that is? Or am I wrong? Am, are you seeing? Well, kind of making sort of humanist yeah. work. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know the answer, I suppose. But I think there's... I think there seems to be trends, don't you? And I think maybe 10 years ago, there was like a trend for sort of sculptural photography or a trend for kind of abstract photography. Or, And I think once there's once there's a, the slightest bit of a trend, either in the media or through fashion or through magazine, or whatever it might be, more people kind of either jump on it or get involved with it, and especially through education. And then... As people get into things in education, maybe they graduate and they're into that thing, and that's how they become known for working. So they're sort of fixed in that. I don't know. I think there's there's maybe that, and it, maybe there's a risk to it as well. That that kind of working. There's no. Um, it, is there anybody commissioning people to work like that anymore? Um, is it, so there's you know the the press, the the Sunday supplements, all the the things that used to fly photographers around the world to document something or somewhere or even not the world, maybe locally, they exist. But so you know budgets are so tiny. If there is one, it takes some dedication and, and risk to to make work like that and then try and pitch it to someone because you've you've had to spend so long doing it at your own expense and it. So I think maybe maybe there's all that involved. It's like the, the culture of the world. It's maybe not fast enough. There's there's people on Instagram posting what's going on all over the world all the time anyway. So it's 
frames of mind might be, well, do we need to commission a photographer to do this? So it's kind of interesting because you're bringing slow work and you're bringing it to people quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is slow. It's, it's long, long form documentary, isn't it? Much of it. Yeah. But you're right. That's, that's exactly what Jim does. Um, there's other, I mean, you know, there's Document Scotland. There's, there's other people who are, who are very active as well. And I think that it's, uh, it, it's a shame that the, the way things are set up don't sort of cater for that type of photography quite as well as maybe they used to. Yeah, it would be interesting to go forward and create Cafe Raw Books in 2050, yeah, yeah. looking at the th- first 30 years of this century. I wonder what it would look like. Yeah, chaos probably. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end it. <laughs> Listen, uh, Craig, thanks very much thanks, uh, for the chat uh, today and uh, the first of these kind of informal uh, conversations um, with people involved in photography who don't own cameras, who are involved in publishing but don't own books. (laughs) Brilliant. Thanks very much, Ken. (laughs) Take care, mate. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Thank you once again there to Craig for joining us on this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. There'll be another one at some point, at some time, with someone who knows when or where. All I know is I'm going to take care.